Hi, I'm Nathan Austin, and you're listening to Glory Days of Gold. Lord Provost Warren of Glasgow presents the Scottish League Cup to the side that lasted the course better, all conquering East Fife. As I made my way to that pitch on Wellesley Road To sing my songs for the boys in black and gold I heard the stories about 1938 And I was just a boy and knew I'd have to wait there's broken dreams and what might have been at that stadium by the shore But those glory days of gold might return once more Hello, hello, how do you do? We are the boys from New Bayview And we're back for another season of Glory Days of Gold Your East Fife and Scottish Football Podcast. I'm Michael McCall. I'm Gordon Henderson. And just the two of us to, to start off our first show of this season, media darling Gordon Henderson, doing the rounds on all the top podcasts. That's basically just ours and the, the Peterhead one. Yeah, I'm available for any any League Two-based podcasts. If anyone wants to get me on, uh, my rates are very reasonable. Yeah, get get him on that. He's more up to speed than I would be. So Gordon's the, the man to, to be for that. No Doug, we're Douglas. He's uh, away down south. Lee's uh, been over in Orlando. He now identifies as a Disney princess. So he's gone down to Australia and New Zealand to watch the rest of the Women's World Cup. So he'll hopefully be back on the show soon. How how has your summer been, Gordon? It's been a while since we, we did a show. Yeah, um a bit of a weird one. I've not been I've not really been away or done anything too much. I've got some kind of holidays planned up for later in the year, but June was basically a write off with COVID. It finally caught up with me. So Oh no. Kinda you know, June was the really nice month here and I was just basically in my bed feeling sorry for myself. So Yeah, that was that was our three day Scottish summer back in June. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And July's been terrible, so that's worked out really well for me. Jeez. Oh, it must be nothing worse than just sitting there and just looking at the sun coming through your window and exactly, yeah. around. Oh. If everyone's outside enjoying the weather and I'm just, yeah, inside, wrapped up. But you're better now. In time for the oh, football yeah. season, that's all that matters. You you don't have to have fun in June. It's only ju- mid-July onwards that the fun starts when the, the League Cup starts. It's, it's been an interesting summer. We'll get into a lot of it in the show. We'll talk about the East Fife off-season rebuild. wasn't much of a rebuild. We'll talk about the League Cup and how that played out. And of course, we'll look at the first league game of the season, the loss to Peterhead, and a lot more as well. Before we get into any of that, let's just hear a little bit from this episode's sponsor. May's Mortgages are Fife-based mortgage and protection specialists. Our aim is to provide our clients with high-quality, personal and friendly service. Our advisors have over 25 years of industry experience and have an outstanding record for sourcing our clients the products that suit their needs. Where we're different though, unlike many other brokers, from start to finish, we won't charge you a penny. Contact us via Facebook to find out more. 
So thanks to Maze Mortgages for their continued support of the podcast. They're going to be sponsoring the podcast all season long this year, as they did last year. So they support us. They support East Fife. Go and support them, especially at this time with whacking rising interest rates. It's a great time to, to look to see if you can get a, a good deal right now. Also want to thank some uh, of our other listeners that donated some money in the, the close season to help the, the podcast go over the 2023-24 season. So big thanks to Ewan Alistair, Paul Dryborough, Stuart Kirkcaldy and Neil McKay for all their donations to the site. If you do want to make any donations to cover our costs for the season, get in touch with us on Twitter or at glorydaysagold at gmail.com and we can let you know how you can support the podcast. And we'll be bringing you as many episodes as we can this season. We've obviously got presenters and co-hosts that are we're all over the place. Doug with his golf, Lee's super busy juggling all, all the jobs that he's got just now. My commentary season, I've got August where my commentary's kind of died down a little bit as it's the end of the League One season here, but before the college season starts. So you could be the stalwart for the show this season. Looking forward to that, apart from your trips that you're going to be going away. Yeah, well, maybe I may be away for uh, a lot of December and January, but uh, yeah, I'll try and I'll try and get on as much as I can. Well, let's get into the East Fife chat. You don't want to hear us chatting about our trips and our our jaunts all over the place. Interesting, close season. I keep wanting to say rebuild, but squad transformation. Let's just say by Greg McDonald. Seven players in, nine players out. Twenty-two man squad. East Five have at the moment. Now, obviously, there could be some loan deals coming. There could be some more movement as players maybe wait to see how the transfer window sort of plays out for them. If we look at the, the guys that's moved on first, so Aidan Quinn, his loan expired, went back to Montrose. Aidan Denham, his loan expired, went back to Hearts. Alex Ferguson, his loan expired, went back to St Johnston. Taylor Stephen, his loan expired, went back to St Johnston. Connor Young, his loan expired, he went back to Rangers. And then Aaron Steele, Lucas Williamson, Adam Mansouri and Rabin Omar, no longer at the club as well. I mean, if you you look at those players that's, that's moved on, Gordon, clearly Alex Ferguson is a, a big one to lose, Quinny as well, but any of the other guys that you were disappointed to see move on or not really? I think the the two that kind of stand out are Steele and Ferguson. Um, definitely. I think, I think to be honest, the rest maybe didn't feature that much or you feel like we can, we have or could replace. Obviously not in that list, but not available is Sam Denham. Um, obviously with his injury, which who I think is a, Obviously a miss as well. I think we would yeah. definitely have wanted wanted to have him in this season. So Yeah, and, and actually again, just, just quickly talking to Sam, also thanks to everyone that donated to that fundraiser that we had for Sam. We've raised money to cover the the cost of his operation, the time that he's going to be losing money as well from not being able to work. So a big thank you to all the East Five supporters for, for covering that and supporters of other teams as well. That it was a really good response to that as well but yeah he, I mean he is going to be obviously a, a big big loss to the team yeah I think those, those three players definitely kind of you know disappointed to either kind of lose them back to their parent club or kind of lost to injury um, but on the whole I think 
you usually expect to lose a few players you don't want to lose. So I kind of felt that the, you know, if you look at the outs before you consider the ins, I felt that wasn't too bad. I didn't, you know, I didn't obviously didn't feel like the team was gutted or we'd lost yeah. too much. Um, so I think who we retained, I was generally pretty happy with and not kind of overly disappointed with the losses. Yeah, I think it was a really good summer for the club. I think Greg McDonald did a, a good job. Steely obviously moving up two divisions to, to play at our broth and it's a great move for him. Delighted for him as well. We knew he was going to move on because it had to be our broth of all the places he, he went to but I think he'll he'll do well there. I think it's a, a good setup for him and he he needed to be playing at the higher level. He deserved to be playing at the higher level so you, you can't be too heartbroken with that one. Yeah, I think it, it was one of these players who had two good seasons with us. Um, I think obviously a disappointing season for the team but two seasons ago we got relegated and well, I think we made him our, our player of the year and last year he was right up there as well. Um, so you feel like with, with kind of young players like that, you know, once you've got two two really good seasons, yeah, you're, you're going to be looking to, to move on up. Um, looks like as a defender for our growth this year, he's going to get a lot of a lot of practice defending. It's not yeah. looking like it's going to be a, a smooth ride for them, but obviously it's it's a great thing for him to test himself in the championship. And you know, even if our both go down, you'd expect them to be a decent League One team. So yeah. Oh yeah. Enough. I mean, if they do go down, it's going to be interesting at the bottom. They definitely look like they've got a hard season ahead. So he is going to get a a lot of tests there. If you look at the other, like Lucas Williamson went to Socky and Rubino Mars gone to Broom Hill, so they've dropped down levels. So maybe not at what we're needing for for League Two anyway. But if we look at who Greg's brought in as well, and seven new additions are, I've made it here. If I've miscounted, you can let me know. But but we'll, we'll look at a couple of the big ones. I think to start with, Fash is back. Nathan Austin coming in from Kelty Hearts in his seasons that he had here before. Three seasons from 2013 to 2016. He obviously left to join Falkirk and was then loaned back for the rest of the season. 43 goals in 107 appearances all round for Fash. And in that 2015-2016 season, 22 in 35. I mean, he was phenomenal the first time around. Does he still have it? Should he be lighting it up in this division? He is the bookies' favourite to be the golden boot winner for for this division. Uh, yeah, I think I'm still I'm still kind of really hopeful that he's going to be a big player for us. Um, I know, you know, I think a lot of made it, a lot is made of his last season at Kelty, where he obviously was carrying an injury. It sounds like he was kind of carrying an injury through the whole year, and he never really got that time to kind of recover. So obviously that's a bit of a different story, but he, he was scoring goals for Kelty before that. I think two years ago, they were in League Two, he scored a lot of goals. Obviously, maybe a little bit different playing in a team like like Kelty, who are kind of dominating everybody. But no, I think I'm still, um, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful that he's going to be a big player for us and kind of be the goal scorer that we, we felt that we've needed. Um, and he's, I mean, he's still only 29. Yeah, of course. It's like yeah. He's got a lot uh his career still left ahead of him. So it's not that we've we've brought in a guy that's maybe past his best, but it's all going to be how how healthy he can stay I think this year is definitely the key it feels. 
Yeah, and and I think you know it's always I think it's always a bit of the same with strikers. Like, how do we not just how do we get the best out of Fash as an individual, but how do you how do you kind of knit together the mm. the forward players that we've got? Yeah, I think that, that's an interesting one. Yeah, I mean, you know, when we touch on the Peterhead game, that is potentially an issue that raised its head. But you know, it's maybe one that will obviously that that Greg and the management team will be thinking about as the season goes on. But how how do you fit these players together? You know, the the best way to you know to get them chances to to make the most out of them. So yeah, it's it's all about integration. And getting the the best lineup that's going to suit us, and it might. I mean, I know we've had the league cup games, but it might take this first month of the league season to really kind of sign things out, see who's clicking, who's got that chemistry on the pitch. It might be great at training, but then when you're going up against the the opposition, it's how all that plays out. But it's definitely an exciting addition, and I mean, it had been rumoured for a couple of weeks before he signed that he was coming back, and I think the general reaction is everyone was delighted. They thought, oh, we're going to scoosh the league. Not only is Fahash the bookies' favourite to top the goal-scoring charts, he's Fife also the favourites to to win the, the title as well. So that puts pressure on him right away, but it's just it's nice to see him back in the black and gold again. And he's he's got some good supporting cast around him in the striking department. We'll come back to that. One of the other big additions on the other side of the pitch, though, Man with a lot of experience, 35 years old, signed from Hamilton, Brian Easton. Guy that's had a couple of spells at, at Hamilton, he's probably most known to people from there. Did go down to Burnley and have a little bit of time down there as well. So he does bring a a lot of experience to the team. I know when the the move was made, reading some of the comments online, especially from Hamilton fans, they didn't feel he had a good season last year and he's maybe a bit past it. But there's a huge difference to who he was going up against in the Championship as a, who he's going to be going up against in League Two. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think we know when you sign players like that and you're in League Two, you know you're not getting them in their, their prime, right? We're not we're not signing Brian Easton at age 27 or something like that. Um, but, you know, um, he's looked good for his Fife, and like you say, I think... Playing in a a pretty poor Hamilton team in the championship, I think is a bit different to playing in what's hopefully a, a fairly decent League Two team. Um, I think that that you know there is a difference between the two leagues. So I, I think that Easton was a sign in that I was really happy with. Um, we've we've talked as well. I mean, the big a couple of the big things that we seem to have talked about for a long time in terms of players we need goal scorer and sort of experienced centre half. Yeah. A bit of visit bit of physicality, experienced centre half. And in those two players, I think we filled those two two roles. So um yeah, happy with both sign ins. Um and yeah, still happy with them. I th- I think I think they'll turn out to be pretty good sign ins for us. Looking at the centre back pairing, so assuming we we go for a four at the back for a, a lot of the season. Who, who do you have Easton beside? Because, I mean, do you go with super experience of Easton and Pagey? Or do you have him in with a younger guy? Like, obviously, Sam's going to be out for a while, but 
where do you see that centre back pair looking at for the the first couple of months at least? It it, it feels like through the League Cup games it was Easton and Page where mm. it, it felt like that was the preferred centre half pairing, and I think you'd have to say that on the evidence of the League Cup games, that's gone pretty well. I mean, mm-hmm. not the quickest she- pairing, but. <laughs> Yeah, I think a clean sheet against Queen's Park, clean sheet against Queen of the South. Okay, we let in a kind of a goal on the break against Elgin and the Motherwell game, I think, you know, you've you've kind of got to yeah, give us a wee pass on that one. But I think the thing you will be looking at is what happens when we come up against pace. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I think that's that's a kind of obvious one. Um but you know, you're always gonna have it's that kind of thing, it's League Two, we're not you know, we're not Real Madrid. We're we're gonna whatever whatever team you put out, you know, there's gonna be some vulnerability somewhere and it's just how do you how do you kinda of get past that? But I think I mean I think I'd be happy with Paige and Easton if, if that was if that was how we kinda of started the season, if that's what Greg's thinking his his kind of central defensive partnership is gonna be, I I don't think I could argue with that. Obviously, um Paige being suspended, Murdoch came in yesterday. We've got the young guy Comerford, who mm. brought came in from Dundee United, you know, not really had a, a a big chance to see much of him yet. Um, but if those two are the kind of starting pair, I think I'd agree with that. I mean, if we look at the the guys that's come in, so Ross Philp from Kelty, Gregor Nicol from Queens Park, Jacob Comerford from Dundee United, Sean Doherty from Gallifreydean Rovers, and Callum Hambrook from Hearts. Now, I Gregor Nicol know a little bit about the rest of the guys I've not seen them not had much idea about them but what do you make of those signings and from what you've seen in the pre-season in particular how do you, you see them fitting in with the group so I mean just in terms of I suppose you know ones that I've seen the most of and been most impressed with I think Doherty um who's been playing right back Coming from Galafiridine, really, really impressed with him so far. I think, you know, there's always a tendency when you look at players, if you don't particularly know players, you, you kind of look at the club and you just think, well, well, you know, if he's come from a big club. And so you might think, well, you know, he's he was at, he was at Gala last season. You maybe don't expect him to come into the first team straight away. But I was really, really impressed with him all the way through the League Cup games. And even yesterday, I think he was probably the... He was. I would have given him man of the match for us yesterday. Um, I th- I think he looks like a really good player. Um, obviously losing Steele, you know, right back is a position that you know we, we needed to kind of bring someone in, and it really looks like he'll he's kind of got that potential to to just make that place his. To be honest, um, so far, um, Nickel as well. I quite like the look of. Um, he's got. He's, he's he's tended to play out wide. Um, you know, good good pace, really good delivery. Um, particularly against Motherwell, um, he was putting some really good deliveries into the box, some corners, free kicks, crosses, which is something that we maybe don't necessarily have in the rest of the team. So, again, a young guy, you know, and he's probably not he's not he's probably not played very much first team football above Lowland League, but he looks like he can kind of make a bit of an impact this season so I think those are the two I think I think of everyone else I'm kind of I'm maybe not seen quite so much of them um 
but those two I think look look pretty good. They're almost kind of nice wee surprise packages, hopefully. Yeah, it, it's tough when when young guys are then thrown in to be starters, and it's like it's a league two is a great testing ground for that because it's like you you get away with a little bit of errors here and there more than you're going to do as you start to move up the leagues. So it's just how quickly adapt and we saw. Last season, some of the young guys struggled initially, but then really kind of found their feet as the season went on. So, I mean, hopefully that's good. I, I was a bit surprised, like, just reading the, the online forums and WhatsApp groups and various things, Twitter. When other teams were adding to their, their squads, it was almost a panic from some of these five fans that we weren't adding quick enough. And it's like, look, <sighs> we, we haven't moved tons of guys on. We weren't too far away last year Sterling and Dumbarton ran away with the league and in the end Dumbarton fell off it's like there's no need for big big panic stations at this point yeah I had exactly the same feeling I I almost got a wee bit annoyed at how Mm. quickly people seem to push the panic button and I think it was exactly the same thing for me I was like we actually haven't lost many you know like guaranteed starters so it's not like some clubs are in a position where they've maybe moved on, you know, five, six, seven first team players. So you, at a minimum, you need to bring that in. And so yeah. you, you, it's like you El- Elgin move on Kane Hester. So it's like you've got a massive hole to fill there. So yeah, it's like you yeah. don't add a prolific striker, then you panic a little bit because they Absolutely, struggled with yeah. a prolific striker last year. Yeah, and you know, if you go back to the start of the season and you just look at who who left. It's like really we're only looking at you know, really having to bring in maybe two or three players. It, you know, like that's what we need. And then you're obviously looking to bring in a few more. What you know, we've brought in kind of tend to bring in young guys and just kind of bulked out the squad a wee bit. But we were never in the place where we were going to need to sign like seven or eight first team players or twelve, thirteen players in total. So when we weren't signing as much as other teams, I don't think we needed to kind of panic too much, really. And I think once, you know, I know, I know some folk, I know a lot of people that obviously disappointed with the Peter Head result. But I think once the League Cup started and once we started playing those games, I think most folk would have went, "Yeah, I'm pretty happy with the squad." Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's a good squad. As you touched upon, the key areas to address were a striker, an experienced centre back full-backs and maybe some midfield depth and maybe outside of midfield depth I'd still like that to be a bit stronger and just have a really good battling number eight in there that can just kind of grab the game by the balls that's maybe the only thing that I feel is lacking from our squad still yeah um I think sometimes a bit two minds about the midfield um you know, it was pretty poor on Saturday, and that's probably clouding my judgment a mm. bit. But I think, you know, the we know we're, we know we know we don't have Ferguson, and we know he was a big player. But you know, the three that we started, well, well, I suppose that, that's one thing. Walls kind of started on the left uh, yesterday, and it was kind of Shivoni who was in the more central spot. But you know, if you take those three centre mids as you know McManus, Trout, and Walls. I think people were pretty happy with them last season. Um, generally, you know, when we had a good spell towards the end, 
those three were playing well, linking up well. So, yeah, I mean, because you, you, could, you could always go and sign more players and better players, but I think I was pretty happy with that. To be honest, I thought that's that's a good League Two midfield there. Yeah. If we just have a... Like we obviously won't break down every single team's kind of movements and stuff, but just a couple of things I do want to touch on. Like, I've got the Pine Bovril thread up for the, the summer transfer, so people at home can have a look through that as well. We'll quickly, like, cover each team and just get your thoughts on whether they look in trouble. Bonnie Rig have surprised me because they have hardly brought in guys that you're looking is going to not have them in a relegation battle this year. Yeah, I think it kind of stands out that the goalkeeper they had on loan from Falkirk, Paddy Martin, um, seemed to make a big difference to them last year and they've signed him permanently. But apart from that, I think I'd agree it's not it's not really players where you're thinking you they, you know they're going to move them on from being better than they were last year. Clyde, no idea about because I didn't watch a lot of them last year. They seemed terrible last year. They've made some intriguing signings. They've got guys from Motherwell and from Hebs and from Kilmarnock, a, a couple of guys as well. But I've seen stuff online that Clyde fans feel they could be in a relegation battle. Yeah, I mean, looking through their signings, it, it's it, it looks like it's been a lot in and a lot out, and most of the guys in are probably kind of younger guys. Yeah. Um, and then you know Ross Forbes from Stenish Muir, don't think Stenny fans were too disappointed to see him go. Stuart Carswell from Dumbarton, experienced League Two player, might be a decent signing. But they, I mean, they they had a very poor League Cup um, group, and their fans are very pessimistic. So I don't see any great reason to disagree with them over that. Mm. I think I think Clyde may well struggle. Dumbarton, you've got to feel's going to be up in the top four. It's just can they make another push for the title this year? Yeah, I had them. I put them top. I don't think. I don't think it's going to be a massive difference again between top three, four, five, but Dumbarton weren't far off last year. I think they've made some pretty solid signings and they've made some signings that look pretty good. Um, I think one that stands out for me is James Hilton at Stranraer. He's a player I've always quite liked. Would have taken him. The, the, the guy Ruth, they sound for Queen of the South, striker, seems to be doing pretty well, so I can't see them being anything other than pretty close again. Mm-hmm. Elgin, we had a look at in the League Cup. As I mentioned, they've lost Hester. They've brought six guys in. Four of them are loan signings as well. And they are one of those clubs that it's a tough club sometimes to get players because of where they're situated. So you're looking at like loan deals from like Aberdeen, Ross County, stuff like that from the guys that's already up there. But it feels like another tough season ahead for them as well. Yeah, four, four loanies, which I'm assuming are all young guys and then two guys for the Highland League you know just on the face of it you think it's probably not it's not going to be enough to replace make up for losing Kane Hester I mean that that's the big thing for them without Kane Hester last year their Highland League team oh yeah uh, and I I don't think they've I don't think they've replaced them so yeah they're they're my bet for 10th 
Forfer, a lot of guys out, a lot of guys in, I think it's about 11 or 12. Seen a lot of folk quite fancy them to, to be top four at least. I mean, they had a good League Cup group. I think they won they won all three of their games. They only got beat away to St Mirren, which again, it's like, that's fine. Um, a couple of guys in from Montrose, Allen and, and, and Watley, seem like pretty solid sign-ins. The guy they've brought in from Barotti Athletic, that Josh Skelly, he seems to be scoring a few goals in the League Cup. So, you know, they, won a, they were a team that won a million miles off last year. Um, but I think, yeah, it feels like they've made a few decent signings and they might sort of click into, you know, moving up a, a bit of a gear and being a, a top four team. I think I'd agree with that. The other team that came down, Peterhead, will... We'll save the horrible stuff about the, that game till towards the end of the show. Um, but we did get a look at them yesterday. What, what did what did you make of them? What have you made of their sort of summer movement? Because again, a lot of guys going out, as you'd expect, when, when a team's gone down. I mean, whenever a team goes down, they've got to be in the favourites to at least make the playoffs to go back up. Most years, Clyde might be an outlier this year. I think um, yeah. I think over recent years, I think people have tend to look at the teams that come down and and are more likely to go. Oh well, they were pish last year, so you know they're probably going to be pish again. You know, I think we were underestimated last year because I think people mm-hmm. just saw us having a terrible League One season, and you you know you've had so many teams now who've done this like double relegation. Yeah. I think people people are kind of expecting it a bit now, whereas. You know, we didn't. It's not like we won the league or challenged for the league, but we were obviously a lot better than I think most fans in League Two thought. And I think probably a similar thing with Peterhead. It's easy to look at them and go, "Oh, you only won three games last year. You're going to struggle." And looking at their signings, you know, it's a few guys that I don't really know. And then you know, you've got the classic Peterhead thing of. You know, signing some guys who used to play for Peterhead, they went to play for Cove, and now come back to Peterhead. So, you know, it's it's kind of this face of familiar, this team of familiar faces, and then, you know, they've made a few signings, um, which I didn't look at them at the start of the season and go, oh yeah, they're going to be. I thought, you know, they're, they're going to be decent. They'll, they'll certainly be in the in the mix for playoff. But I was more impressed with them yesterday than. Uh, I was expecting. Well, I mean, they had a horrible League Cup campaign. One point, shipped the goals in. I mean, I I thought yesterday was going to be a nice, comfortable win for us, and it didn't work out that way. But first game of the season, sometimes teams are more up for it. Steny, they should be a team that's in the mix come the <laughs> playoff time. Yeah, I think so. I thought so last year. Um, I wonder if, you know, Steny are the... This, you know, the the new team who every year you're going to go, oh yeah, you know they they should be they should be in it, they should be winning the league, they should be challenging, and then just never do. Um, I think some of their signings look pretty decent. I think Jameson, keeper from Kelty, seems a good player. That's a it's a position they've struggled with uh, recent years. Meekin from Darville, Buchanan from Dumbarton. You know, they're all solid players. Yeah, um, they've got a couple of Darvel guys as well, which, I mean, we saw how well they did in their cup run. Yeah, Kirkpatrick's a decent player. So it, it feels like, again, Steny, not not 
not far off last year, probably underperformed last year. Decent signings. Um, should should definitely be aiming for top four, I think. Stranraer, I've no idea about, I've got to say. It's, I don't know, really the guys, they, they struggled a bit in the the League Cup, but they went bottom of the group. But it's another tough season. You'd think they might be down there with like the Bonnie Riggs, the Elgins. Yeah, I, I kind of suspect Stranraer will probably be similar to what they were last year. Probably, you know, better than Elgin. There was mm. a beat Elgin in Elgin yesterday, but probably not good enough to sustain a top four challenge. I mean, a lot of the players they've signed, you know, it's either sort of like, yeah, decent, decent League Two player or, you know, don't really know him. Um, but I think they'll be okay, but not spectacular. And then your local team, the Spartans. <laughs> yeah. Da- Danny Denham has gone to them, but he's only one of four signings, which isn't that what Bonnie Rigg did last year? I can't really fully remember, but they, uh, did they not? They had <laughs> limited signings when they went up. They did. I mean, those thing, Kevin Smith, uh, I'm not really sure they signed anybody else. Um Spartans have obviously not made a lot of changes, but I think the players they've brought in are good signings. Mm. And um, had I, that great result against Dundee United in the, the League's Cup, although, albeit, Dundee United's a shadow of what Dundee United used to be. Yeah, they beat Dundee United, they beat Peterhead, and I think that got a lot of people sitting up and taking notice. They, it's, it's maybe like a bit of a compliment to them that they will be disappointed to only draw with Clyde. I think most people probably had Spartans for the win there. Um, but I think Danny Denham's a, a good player. I was a fan of him when he was mm-hmm. at his five. I think he's a good League Two player. I think Sonker from Albion Rovers is a really good signing. And Craigan from Edinburgh City, not a player I've seen a lot of play against his five, but he's somebody that everyone seems to rate. So it seems like they've they've kind of added, they've not added much, but probably the quality is pretty good. So I think Spartans will be fine this season. But we won't do our first to tenth on this show. We'll wait until we've got the the full gang together. But just between us, because no one else will <laughs> listen. Who do you have to to win the league this season? It seems so, wide open. I'd I'd kind of done my one to ten and stuck it up on Pineborough before. You know, between the last League Cup game and the and the the. The, the league game so this is not based on anything yeah I, I wouldn't like yesterday I, we can't read too much into that yeah. hopefully <laughs> but I've I've got Dumbarton to win it uh, I, I don't think there'll be a lot in it but I do quite fancy them I got a bit carried away and I went with us <laughs> but I think it's going to be very tight yeah I mean I look at Dumbarton and you know, I don't think I don't think they're a huge distance away from Forfar or Oz or Steny or the likes of Peterhead. I think you could potentially be looking at a very, very tight league with multiple teams in contention. I I think we could see something quite similar to what how League One played out last year. In that you're going to have a lot of teams battling for the top, for the playoff spots, and then I could easily see Elgin and Bonnie Rigg cut adrift at the bottom. 
I can definitely see it. I can definitely see Elgin being cut adrift. I mean, I've got them for tenth, and I just, you know, if I compare them like to like for any other team, I just, I just don't see them really. I don't see them even being particularly close to any other team, to be honest. It it does look so tough for them, and I mean, Elgin fans, if any are listening to this, might vehemently disagree. It might be better for them to go back to the Highland League, cost-wise in particular. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like people, people have their own kind of personal opinions. Maybe there's some Elgin fans that would rather be in the Highland League, play derbies, play, you know, not have to travel so much. I'm sure some will want to stay in in League Two. But I suppose for for a lot of clubs, you get to that point where if you're faced with season after season just getting done in all the time and yeah. just hoping that you just hang on by your fingertips, it's not much fun. And, you know, we kind of had that a bit and we had that season in League One where it was terrible. And if you were faced with that year after year, you just go, I'd probably just rather get relegated and try and come back up. Obviously, Highland League is a bit different because it's so difficult. Mm-hmm. To get out of with a you know having to win the league and having to win a playoff, um, but yeah, it, it looks like Elgin are a team that are kind of just circling the drain a little bit, so might not be the worst thing to get relegated. Be interesting to see how Albion Rovers do this year. I didn't actually check the results yet in the <laughs> Lowland League, but they they got off to a very bad start. They got beat two one at home to oh. Hearts B. So that's a bit of a that'll be a bit of an eye opener for Albion Rovers fans. Yeah, oh, yeah. certainly be an interesting one to keep an eye on. And if we talk just about one of the other big talking points from this summer, no new fifth tier with the B teams coming in. It did get voted down, thankfully, because I think it was something like over two hundred teams would drop down a level in the pyramid if that had got approved. Uh, it was, thankfully, uh, common sense saw through, and it was nice to see some of the premier clubs come out against it as well. Uh, it was a total, total farce. It was just—I mean, whatever you think about the way the structure should be, or B teams, or all the rest of it, it was just an obviously shit idea. Um, I don't think it even got to the vote because you just had this sort of cascade oh, yeah, they can- of teams. They cancelled the vote. Yeah, just so many teams came out and said it's a terrible idea and obviously started off with the likes of like uh, West of Scotland, East of Scotland League teams and then you had Lowland League teams and eventually League One, League Two and even up to Premier teams just coming out and saying like this is terrible, we're not voting for it. Um, yeah, and then you've got idiots like, uh, what was his name, Ian Maxwell coming out and saying like, oh, you know, people are just resistant to change. It's like, well, if you if you actually come up with change that is in any way decent and not an absolute pile yeah. of shite. Well, think about they, it. They need to... I mean, I've been a big advocate for the pyramid system. I love it in England, have for years. We're starting to get stuff kind of over here that's coming together a little bit with a pyramid, still a long way off. But in like the league below MLS, the USL, they've had exploratory discussions the last two seasons about having promotion and relegation, which is massive for, for over here. In Scotland... It's still terrible that 
you're you're stopping the traction of a number of the like the West of Scotland clubs, and the ambitious clubs stroke money clubs. I know that's a whole other discussion, but they're basically being blocked. So they need to yeah. overhaul that aspect. Never mind looking at having stupid B teams in a fifth tier conference league coming in. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, a, a principle. I'm I'm a big fan of the pyramid as well, and you know, it's it's clearly got issues. It's, it's I think we're in a much better place than we were 10, 15 years ago when we didn't even have this. But a principle of it should be if you win your league, you move up a level. And if you finish bottom of your league, you move down a level. Uh, we've got to move towards that because it's just, it's really not fair. Like, <laughs> you know. Because there's so many clubs that just miss getting into the playoff system by a point or whatever as well. And then mm. I know there's other clubs that their grounds maybe aren't up to scratch, like Loch Ness got penalised for, for stuff like that as well. But it is much better. But for the good of the game and the good of these clubs as well, because again, if you're in a league that you feel we're really good, but we've got no way of getting out of this, we're just going to be here beating teams, maybe just missing out and going up. I mean, that's so destroying as well. As a supporter, yeah. like you know, you look at Brecon. They won the Highland League last year. Mm-hmm. You know, over the however many games, what was it like, thirty-eight games or something like that? They won it. They won the league, and they don't go up. And you can, you know, you can say, well, they didn't win the playoff, but it just, it just, it doesn't feel right at all that you should be able to win your league and not go up. Yeah, and, and I win think... a top quality league as well. It's not yeah. just like a, a low diddy league or whatever. It's like, in many ways, the Highland League's stronger than the Lowland League if you look at yeah. it from top to bottom. Yeah, exactly. And um, it's, it's not it's no simple because, obviously, if you say that you know the Highland and Lowland League winners will go up into League 2, you're suddenly, you're not going to get many League 2 teams that will vote for that, but... No, unless like got... you expand League Two by two spots for one year. So for one year, you say there's no relegation. Both these teams get to go up, and then we look yeah. at it after that. But it seems it's ridiculously obvious to me. Like what what you do, what you get is sort of you know, every year or every couple of years, you get some harebrained scheme coming out of SFA or SPFL, and and then you know everyone thinks it's terrible, or seventy five percent of the clubs think it's terrible. And you can't get it through. Why not take a year, two years, speak to every club at every level in Scotland and basically say, you know, what what do you like about the current system? What would you like to see changed? You know, what would you sort of give up? You know, what would you be willing to sort of negotiate for? And then you'll start to see, well, okay, the clubs at this level, this is what they want. And this is their line in the sand. And you'll start to get a picture of what 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 is possible? Whereas if you just come back and you know every summer be like, oh, what about B teams? What about this? You'll just get told no every single year, and nothing yeah. will change. Because I don't understand why I don't mean, do it. It's obvious clubs will vote for what's best for them, and as supporters, you want your board to do that sometimes. But at the same time, it's like if it's detrimental to the whole game. The mm. governing bodies should just come in and enforce it, but then the danger with that is they enforce something stupid like B teams, 
So what what clubs do, I think, is they do vote in their interest, but they they vote in their own short term interest. So yes. So yeah. so East Fife, you could say, you know, there's some vote. Let's just say it's to to open up relegation and promotion between League Two and the Lone League and the Highland League, and nothing else changes. There's no expansion. You could say you could look at that and go, well, as East Fife, we're obviously going to vote no because mm-hmm. if we have a bad season, we're down and that that negatively affects us. But if we were to get relegated, like you know, Cowden Beath, Alvin Rovers, Brecon, all these teams, we'd immediately be on the side of, yeah, we need more promotion into League Two because it's a disaster for us. So it's like if you voted as if you didn't know where you were going to be, I think most clubs would say, yeah, open up relegation and promotion between League Two. Like you've got clubs like Alvin Rovers, Cowden Beath. I'm sure five, six years ago, they would have been horrified at the thought of automatic relegation. But suddenly they get relegated and they'll be all be in favour of it. So I think every part-time club has got to consider that it's it's unlikely that you, know, that you will, depends on the timescale, but you know for 20 years, say, there's a really good chance you're going to get relegated mm-hmm. at some point. Um, so... I think taking you've got to take a little bit of a longer term view about it. But then you've got the Lowland League clubs that's taking the same stance as the League Two clubs. So they're like two-faced. It's like, well, we want more to open up, but we're not giving anything at the bottom of fires because we don't want more teams that might come in that then might stop us going up. Absolutely. There is a lot of hypocrites in the Lowland League because what they're crying about with League Two clubs is exactly what they're doing to the East yeah. and the West. And you feel like instead of just everybody screaming about their own wee bit and the SFA and SPL showing absolutely no leadership at all, I mean, wh- why not just show a bit of leadership, talk to clubs, see what can be done and stop this kind of infighting and bickering where you know League 2 clubs don't like Lowland League clubs and Lowland League clubs are fighting with the League 2 clubs and they also don't like the West of Scotland if you just pull it together a little bit I feel like you could make progress but nobody does it um, no that's the, it's the problem with Scottish football and it's not just Scottish football but it's so bad here it's I say here yeah. there <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah I mean there's no easy answer I'd still, I still think getting away from four divisions is an option. Even regionalised lower divisions, like outside the Premier and the Championship. What, what do you think of this idea? Basically, you say we're going to design a new, a totally new structure for Scottish football, and it, and at the start of the season in the summer, you draw lots to decide which league every team goes into. So, like Celtic could go into West of Scotland League Three. But you you have to design the league before you know where you're going. And then we just draw teams randomly into it and let themselves sort themselves out. I feel like then you would get the league structure that people, that is actually the best league structure. Um, Yeah, just like start from scratch. It's like year one. This is the new Scottish football. It's like a World Cup draw. You've got like 600 balls in the thing and it's like, right, for, for first place into the, the new Scottish Premier League, it's like Glenrothes Strollers and, you know, you've got like... Uh, Only if we get Rod Stewart to take the balls out because him yeah. doing 600 balls would be amazing. <laughs> He's got to take a shot every every ball. Hawking <laughs> oh, like Talbot! Yeah. Oh, could, I mean, because like, 
you know, watching World Cups and like Euros draws and stuff. There's so much drama. Like, could you imagine that? A sort of five-hour marathon of like placing every club in Scottish oh, football. Like, fuck, some of the draws for the competitions over here feel like five-hour marathons as it is already. It's like I didn't need to see these dancers. It's like no, you've got the pots there and the balls are in them. Just get straight to it. I don't need yeah. to know what happened three years ago with this team. It's like a twenty-minute interview, with like Antonio Casano, for some <laughs> reason. They're like, yeah, just come on. <laughs> oh, he, here comes the pretty host. Oh, she's just going to talk in oh, lots of different languages now. Okay, great. Anyway, let us know what you'd like to see for Scottish football. I know we've had this discussion a lot, but genuinely, after everything that's happened this summer, get in touch. Glory is a gold on Twitter. Glory is a gold at gmail.com. Let us know how you would like to see Scottish football structured. Start the campaign for Gordon's thing, because that would just be chaos. I'd be, I'd be there for that. It'd be fantastic. If we look at some of the games then that East Fife have played just now, we'll, we'll quickly just look at the um, the League Cup. So, with the League Cup, and I've, I've got complaints about the League Cup as well, but basically, the way it worked, we had three victories, two of them albeit by shootout, one defeat, seven points, finished third, good performance against Elgin, really tough, performances that we, we grind out the, the shootout wins against Queen of the South and against uh, Queen's Park as well. How did you see those games play out? How what were the what were the positives and negatives that you drew from those four matches? Maybe not so much from the Motherwell, but at least from the other three. Yeah, I think you, you almost like they get put into three categories for me. The Motherwell game away to Motherwell, it's like, right, you, you kind of write that off. If we get a decent result and decent performance, amazing, but you're not judging us on that. You know, you got home to Elgin and you think, well, Elgin, probably going to finish 10th. You want a good win there. We got it. Um, I actually thought that um, of the three games that we you know, won, um, Elgin was potentially the, the poorest performance, but 3-1, can't really complain. Um, and then you've got the, the games in the middle, home to Queen's Park, away to Queen's South, where you think, you know, those are those are really tough tests. I think as a League Two club, you look at those two fixtures and go, those are those are hard games, and we will not be favourites in either of those games. And you know, as long as we put in a kind of decent performance, as long as we don't get, as long as we're not getting ragdolled and beat comfortably, you would think that that might be okay. Uh, but I think we, we obviously did more than that. Um, I didn't see the Queen of the South game. Um, the Queen's Park game, yeah, Queen's Park had chances. that, And they probably should have won in the 90, but we played really well. It was it was kind of backs to the wall at times, but I thought it was a really tough, solid performance. So I think the two 0-0 draws were really encouraging, and particularly the you know the clean sheets. That was a big positive. We beat Elgin comfortably. We got, you know, good good performances and good results against Queens Park and Queen of the South. So I think overall it was a tough group, um, but really encouraging performances and results. Yeah, I was highly encouraged just from the highlights that I saw and just just did results in general, grinding out those victories, getting those clean sheets. It was also great for the ground hoppers that got to take another club off watching East Fife at getting to go to Motherwell which has been so long ago 
when I first started watching these five, we were in Division One. I think it was called back then, but Motherwell, and that was obviously the last season back. 84, 85, that would probably have been. So that was good for, for people as well. Now, since we were just moaning about the state of Scottish football, I find it absolutely ridiculous that you can be in five team groups, and I know it didn't matter for us in the end because we finished third, but you can finish second and you don't get to go through to the next round. Like Queen of the South are not in the knockout round. It feels very, very harsh, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, and, you know, you look at other teams that got nine nine points. Yeah, and it's goal difference and they're, yeah. they're out. And it's like, I mean, it's not apples to apples. It's like... Yeah, Forfar. Forfar, got, Forfar played four games. They won three of them in the 90 minutes. And then they went out because they got gubbed by St. Martin. And, you know, and then someone's sneaking through because they've got a slightly better goal difference when they played different teams. It, it it doesn't feel the fairest, but I think for me it's kind of fine. Like I, I'm okay with them doing something different with the League Cup because you've got the Scottish Cup, which is your classic knockout. You know, everyone's got the same chance at everything. Mm-hmm. Everyone's all in it together. I think that I think I'm I'm okay with the League Cup. I know some people were complaining about it. Like, I mean, the ref the ref at our game blew the whistle, bang on ninety minutes. And Motherwell were complaining because I think, it, which is a fair point, they were saying that although they'd won the group, only the top three group winners are seeded and they might have needed to score another goal. Oh. Um, so they they could have had five or six more extra minutes to get that goal, <laughs> which they didn't end up needing. But the ref was just like, nah, <laughs> finish Jeez. it. So, I, I mean, I think we were all pretty happy for the ref to blow the whistle. But... <laughs> Crazy. I mean, the other thing that annoyed me is I, I, I know I don't know if Greg came out and said this specifically, or if it was just folk reading between the lines that these were basically just pre-season friendlies to get ready for the league, and a lot of fans looked at it that way. But when you look at our history, three League Cup wins, this is our competition. Yeah, the Scottish Cup's got more prestige, and it, as you say, it can be a free-for-all. You could get drawn against diddy teams the whole way along and get to the final and avoid any top teams. But I, it just feels everyone's just devalued this so much just now. It's like even the Premier teams and some of the Championship teams are putting in weaker squads. And it's like, oh, come on. It's like this needs to have more cadence to it, really. I think there is a bit of that. Um, obviously, with them, I do like the the group stage going before the season because... I don't think most teams do treat it completely like they do friendly games, but it feels like, to me, it feels like a little bit between the two. Um, like they're better than friendlies. But, you know, especially for a club like us where, you know, realistically, we're not, you know, we're not going to win the League Cup. Um, so if if you if you get put in a tough, tough group and you go out, you have your four games, that feels fine. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if you went back to. I'm not sure what you could do to kind of to kind of give it maybe a bit of that lost prestige. Yeah, and unless you mandated that teams would be fine, but even then, like the big teams would probably eat the fine. They wouldn't care. 
Yeah. Yeah. Put I, I, weak teams in or whatever, but... Yeah, it's a bit like the Nations League and the national football. It's like, yeah, the top teams probably don't take it too seriously because, um, you know, they know they'll qualify for tournaments anyway. For 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 more kind of middling teams, it's it's a great opportunity to give yourself an extra chance to qualify. But you know, I don't know what you can do to make them. You know, it's kind of it's up yeah. to you what you want to take from it. So yeah, the I mean, Nations it, League's a good example. Like. The podcast I do here, one of the guys is of German descent. So when they Germany got relegated, it's like, oh, it's just a stupid competition. It's like, no, it's not. It's a fantastic competition because we're doing well in it. Mm. And it's like... <sighs> but I think, I mean, they are doing something now where they're like they're putting more stakes on it. So, you know, like your seeding for everything is going to be determined by the Nations League, mm. which I think is the right thing to do because... Feels like a fairer thing to do than like world rankings, so it's kind of given everybody that stake. Because if you're Germany or England, right, like you know you're going to qualify for the Euros. It's twenty four team Euros. You know you are. Um, but little things like, you know, I guess if, if whether you're first or second seed or something like that, at least put put every bit of meaning you can on it. Because if it's just about qualification, these big teams won't care. Whereas, like you know, Scotland, Ireland, Serbia, Norway, teams like that, it's or or even way down smaller, like North Macedonia qualified for mm-hmm. Euro twenty twenty one through a Nations League playoff. So our boys, yeah, um, and you know, teams like Georgia, I mean, they're guaranteed a playoff, even if they don't, you know, if they don't finish in the top two, they're guaranteed a playoff. So trying to find a way to put stakes on it I think is is the way because I think Nations League is a good competition I think the League Cup is a good competition because like this summer here the CONCACAF region had Nations League finals in June but then they had their Gold Cup in July which is like our version of the Euros or Copa America so American Canada had all their best players playing in the Nations League and they were like, ah, we don't care about two competitions. So it was, all the guys went back to their clubs to have a summer off. And then it was just like B and C teams then mm. that were in the Gold Cup, which is a prestigious tournament. But because they're month beside each other, it's like, well, we're only going to focus on one of them. I, I, I'm getting out all my, um, all my sort of like uh, crazy opinions about football on this podcast for some reason, but... I've always felt like uh, they should combine the Gold Cup and the Cup America. Well, they are next year. Oh, they, right, okay. well, k- my letters. Com- kinda, read my letters. Yeah, kind of combining it. And uh, they're having, they had the Copa America, I want to say 2016-ish in, this, in the US. Um, but it was just with the South American teams. But there was games in Seattle. So I went down and I actually got to see Messi play for Argentina in Seattle. Nice. And it was that's the only time I've seen him play. And because I had my media pass, I could wander about the stadium. So as he was coming on as a sub, I went right down to the front. I've got some cracking pictures from the the expensive seats that no one had bought because they were so expensive. Oh. I just sat in them and was taking photos of Messi. I loved it. But next year, I think it's next year. Yeah, I think it is next year. They are letting the top Concacaf sides into Copa America. So whatever four teams win the Nations League quarterfinals this November will qualify for Copa America next. Oh, so that's why everyone's so putting the, the Nations stakes, League yeah. above. So now, yeah. now the stakes are 
are big for this, and it's like it's, it's good because you think like to be honest, like South America's got the quality, yeah, but they don't have the numbers. Like there's only like ten of them, so you feel like you can't have this. You can't have a tournament that rivals the Euros for entertainment. And you're like, CONCACAF, you've got the numbers. <laughs> you know, you don't necessarily have the depth, the quality, but put them together. Well, yeah. Well, it didn't help as well. Like the Gold Cup this year, we had Qatar in it. Yeah, there's you get, you get <laughs> like, there, stuff like there that. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> get his life in it next uh, two years time. I keep pushing. It's like, do, do what Wrexham did. Go over for some friendlies. Doesn't matter who you play. Just I'll, I'll get a game in Vancouver or East Fife against any of the teams that I know. I'll put guys up East, in the house, whatever. Yes, it's East Valley versus St. Kitts and Nevis. <laughs> oh, that's two countries, though. I mean, that's, yeah, that's, my, well. that's my running joke that I do every time Canada play Trinidad and Tobago or St. Kitts and Nevis. It's, like, oh, it's no fair. They've gone up against 22 players here. need to give them a chance. <laughs> I, I, first show of the new season, I'm already talking about North American soccer. I know folk hate it. Let's get back to something more... More appealing. Peterhead 3, East 5-0. Um, wasn't the start to the season that I don't think anyone was expecting. I've already seen folk going, oh, we're going to get relegated. Oh, it's just like last season all over again. It's like, it's one game. Calm down. But I haven't seen the highlights yet because as, as we record this, they hadn't gone up. So I, I haven't seen it. So I'm relying on you to... Let me know if the opinions that I've read online are correct in that we played pish. We were pish. Um, I think it's going. I think it's going a bit too far to start getting really doom and gloom. It's it's one game. There will be ups and downs this season. Everyone will have them. We've um, got Elgin but, to play four times. Of course, there's twelve points. Uh, we've got four for to play four times. No matter how good they are, we'll, we'll take points <laughs> off them. Um, I think the big thing for me, like overall. I was probably more impressed with Peterhead than thought I was going to be. Thought they were very, very, you know, very tight at the back, very organised, hard work, that that sort of thing. Um, you know, they took their chances when they came, so you've got to give them a a pretty big piece of credit for that performance. For us, it it did not feel like the kind of game where we were, you know, we were dominated. By a much better team. It didn't. It didn't look like there was, you know, a gulf between the teams. But it felt like we couldn't create anything. So the first half, it just you know, I don't think we created any decent chance of note in the first half. Um, you know, we weren't really, weren't really getting on the ball in midfield. It was just like nothing was really clicking. We weren't out of the game. Um, Peterhead got a goal, which I would like to see the highlights because it very much felt like. They committed a foul in the run-up to that goal. Was that the um, Jack Brown opener? Yes, aye. So I think, I think there was, you know, there was a bit of a sort of tussle. I think it was Liam Newton that basically he got he got pulled back by after making a tackle. He was going to get the ball. It looked like a Peterhead player kind of pulled him back a bit. He then didn't get to the ball. Peterhead broke and scored. It, it very much looked like that should have been called back but okay we're still in it um second second goal was a classic just a mistake mistake on our part let peterhead in and then you know the game's gone um we did create a few chances i think conor mcmanus had two pretty decent chances but 
I think both of them went straight to the keeper. But the reality is we did not create enough. You know, what we I think we didn't look we didn't look a million miles off Peterhead, but we weren't threatening. And it just to me it felt like the kind of game where too many players just had an off day. Hmm. Um I, there was there was little things like I think um the way we sort of lined up particularly kind of the more attacking players Walls was out on the left Healy was on the right and Shivoni was through the middle and I feel like Walls should be on the middle Shivoni on the right Healy on the left um it didn't look like that one and it it did look to me like Fash wasn't quite 100% fit um well he was coming off a dead leg yeah yeah so maybe he hadn't trained as much as he normally would have in the build up to this yeah I I suspect if Shepard wasn't suspended, he would have started. Um, so yeah, there's a few. We should know, of course. Shepard and Page were both out, and that was probably two starters. Yeah, yeah. I think I think both of them would have started, and you know I, I think most. You know, as the season goes on, you know, hopefully with with Fash there, Shepard being suspended wouldn't have been a big deal. But he's obviously you know he's recovering from that dead leg, and it it did look like he wasn't quite 100%. But for me, it was just one of these days where you just look through the team and you think, nah, like not enough players had individually good games. You know, you compare it to the the kind of opposite, you know, when we blew Stranraer away, like, like really, what did that come down to? It felt like it came down to almost all of our team just had individual days where they were on it. And it felt like today, there just wasn't enough. Um, so I, I don't see it as some big kind of, oh no, we're in crisis or there's something fundamentally wrong. I think it was just just an off day. Mm. Um, I think that there's things to consider, there's things to look at, but overall, I don't, I don't think that game wipes out the kind of positivity that we should have had before. No. I mean, I, I, until we've had. I would say all August games done and dusted, then we can maybe start to look at, oh, well, we need to improve here, this is a concern, etc, etc. I mean, obviously, if there's anything glaring, address it. I mean, was, was there any positives to take from the game? Um, I thought, like I mentioned, um, I thought Sean Doherty had a really good game at right back. Very solid. Um, I, I thought, I thought, Easton had a pretty good game. Um, so I think up until... I mean, it's a difficult one because you could, you could look at... You you look at it and say, well, we got, we got beat 3-0. You know, we didn't create any chances and we can see three goals. So, like, you know, nobody should get any credit. But, you know, I think the first goal, there was a, a real bit of sense of injustice about that. The second goal, you know, it, it was just... It was a mistake. It was a mistake on Liam Newton's part and... You know they just punished it. Third goal, well, it was a, it was a, I think a sh- kind of shot from outside the box, but the game was gone by that time. I don't think there's a lot of positives you can take. It's I think it's little things. Mm. And for me, yeah, the biggest one was yeah, I think Doherty looks like a player. Um, but generally, generally apart from these little little mistakes defensively, I thought we were doing all right. Um, but yeah, just. Too much of an off day to really take much from it, I think. Can you do a 3-2-1? Pressure uh, on you for the first one of the season. Uh, I was really thinking about that. I mean, 
Um, I I can try. I can try. Uh, three points go to me for Doherty. Um, to you? Are you giving yourself oh, like, I, 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 three points to me? I turned up, watched that pish, um, uh, had to talk about it now and relive it the next day. Start off a, a comedy 3 2 1. I'll just <laughs> take the points. Um, I Doherty, I give three points because I just thought he dealt with everything really well. He looked, particularly the first half, looked really good. Um, two points, I think, I think I'd give to Easton. Um, don't think he was. Don't think you could really fault him for for any of the goals, and I thought he was, you know, he was generally pretty good and pretty solid, and maybe one point, broken walls. Um, he was, he was wide left, for most of the game, and I don't think I don't think that's his position. Um, but I thought he, you know, he, he got stuck in. Um, so yeah, crowd was five two four. Uh, official attendance for this one not too bad but for a season opener you kind of I always hope it's going to be like six or seven especially with yeah. a bit of buzz about the place but it's summer and folk are away Pe- on holidays and Peterhead as well they're never going to bring yeah. a massive crowd are they? And I thought it, it looked it looked quite busy I was a wee bit wee bit surprised I, I thought I thought that yeah you might have at least got 600 something because it, it kind of felt busy but yeah I guess you know yeah there wouldn't I mean, be it busy. does feel that 5 to 7 is probably where our attendances really sit that's mm. going to be what our average is going to be for for the season you might get a few that dip under a few that dip over I mean it's not exactly a league that's going to see a huge amount of away fans no. for a lot of the games I mean Bonnie Rig might bring a few and but yeah, it's, yeah, you're relying on home fans turning out, and I mean, next week's the big camel trek to Stranraer. Stranraer won one nil yesterday at Elgin. I mean, what changes would you make for next week? Obviously, if PG and Sheps come back in, there's got to be at least a couple of changes. Who who do you leave out for those two? Do you bring anyone in that was on the bench yesterday that as a, as a starter? Yeah, I think I think I'd probably bring in, I think I'd probably bring in Page for Murdoch. Um, I think I'd probably want to get Shepard involved somehow. Um, Shivoni didn't have a a lot of good feedback from some of the online comments that I saw. Would he I don't be a think guy I'd, to make way, or I think I probably would, would, um, I probably would drop Shivoni. Um, I think. I mean, yeah. I'd bring. Uh, I suppose it's how do you fit Shepard and how do you how do you fit Shepard and Fash together? And I, I think. Yeah, Shepard I don't think it's play, a four-four-two. No, no. But I think Shepard could play a little bit deeper. Um, depends what. Depends what you want to do. I think Shepard could play wide. Um, I'd. I'd probably drop Shivoni. Um, probably move Walls back into the sort of centre. Um, maybe I'd be quite keen to try Shepard and Healy wide, fast through the middle. Uh, but I also think Nickel is an option that I would I would seriously consider. Um, and I think to be honest, like I felt like McManus and Troughton didn't have great games. And I think you know you, you you've at least got to ask the question of 
you know, should Miller come in? Um, yeah, because I was thinking four three two one, possibly with like have Fash lead the line, have Shepherd in behind him, and then maybe Healy beside Shepherd. Yeah, I think. Um, you know, again, Healy didn't have a great game yesterday, but I think he's the kind of player you're, you know, you want to include him. He'll have off days, but uh, yeah, I mean, you know, we obviously like playing this kind of, describe it in different ways, but it's essentially maybe off like a four-two-three-one. You know, you've got your three in midfield, um, but then you've got you know the two wider players and one through the middle, but you've also got one midfielder who's kind of ahead of the rest. You know, Fash up front with Shepard and Healy wide. He could obviously switch round either side. I'd be interested to see how that works. Um, certainly, I think I think Walls is kind of wasted out wide left. I mean, I don't, you know, that it's not making the most of his his strengths. You know, he's not left footed. I don't think he has the pace to play out there. You know, put him in the middle. Uh, if you're going to play him, put him in the middle. Um, but no, I, I don't think we. I don't think we need to panic and do wholesale changes. I mean, no. if that game had got called off, you know, if that Peter Head game had never happened, we'd be going down to Stranraer confident, confident mm-hmm. even you know in the team that has been playing in the League Cup. So yeah. Well, also like the three of the other games were draws. That's so not exactly a lot of harm done in the yeah, exactly. opening weekend yeah. either. We've not exactly got tons of teams that we're off the pace off. The next, mm. I do wonder though if we're going to have a similar thing to last year, where we might struggle a bit at home and then get these results away. It's Could so be. weird. Yeah, it's these things are weird, and I think once they start happening and becoming a thing, then you know it gets in people's heads. Um, but yeah, you always wonder why we why we did struggle a bit at home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it was for a while last season we were like. You know the best away team and the worst home team, yeah, which is absolutely crazy. Because our next home game's Steny on the nineteenth. Our next three away games, though, it's like Stranraer, Elgin, and Dumbarton. It's like, jeez, that's mm. massive tricks. And we could have had, was it Bucky? We almost got in the Challenge Cup, but Dundee beat them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Aye, we have we have this like all our big um, tricks are in the same group of games. Yeah. So like Although first, it's the nice time quarter. of year for tran- for travel wise, if anyone wants to make a weekend of it. I suppose, yeah. We went down to Stranraer early last year and it was absolutely boiling. Like I had to I had to like it was the hottest I think I've ever been at a football ground. I had to like make trips to the burger van to get like cans of Fanta and stuff out of the fridge because it was just you, you were just getting dehydrated. It was so hot. Worst I've had it was a it was a seven o'clock or seven thirty kickoff as well in Portland, and it was like thirty seven degrees, and my walk from the hotel to the stadium I was fucked. Yeah, it was like then I had to go up all these stairs to where our section was, and I spent most of the first half just sitting at the back, just trying to get my breath back. It was like, <sighs> yeah, oh no, it's um, it's not it's, when you're not used to it. It's not not easy. That's why we like the cold at Bayview. I, I miss it. We've been in the mid to high 20s for weeks here with very little rain. It's like, oh, watching all these pictures, getting homesick of rainy Scotland. <laughs> but that's pretty much it for our, for our East Fife chat. Just last couple of little things just to just to talk about. You've been watching any of the, the Women's World Cup? 
I have actually. I've caught little bits and pieces. It's um, actually been fantastic. I've really enjoyed this. It has been really good. Um, I think, you know, like the first time I saw like Women's World Cups and Women's Euros and stuff, like a good few years ago, I, I think the quality has come on a massive amount. Oh, it you, has. And, and the depth as well. Like you're starting to see, like I watched, um, didn't watch all the game, but I've seen little bits and I've seen the penalties for Sweden versus the US. And obviously, like you've got pretty big teams going out quite early. So, yeah. well, um, yeah, because they're out, Brazil's out, Germany's out, Canada's yeah. out. Yeah. So it's like um, top two in the world, um, strong European team and the Olympic champions. Oh, go on. Yeah. I've got to admit, like, I, I was wanting Sweden to beat them because. Uh, oh, so was I. I feel like Americans are just always annoying at sport, eh? You know, and they're, 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 oh, they're doing you their try USA living here, mate. It's like they're so arrogant and it's just, oh. It's, yeah. Twitter is a fun place today. Like, North American football Twitter is, nice, is a nice place to be today. It's like. I was sitting there watching and, and they were doing their like U S A chant. I was like, I fucking hope they've got. Get beat. Yeah. I was like, come on, Sweden, put them out. The way the that they the lost as well. Oh. I've never seen that. No. So, so, the, so the Swedish player t- took a penalty. The American goalkeeper got her hand to it. The ball sort of agonizingly looped up and slowly made its way over the line. She oh no! It hit, the, it hit it. the crossbar. Did it? And then came down, and she got Aye. another hand to it. But it was like a millimeter over yep, the line. Literally and a it. millimeter. Oh, I've I've never seen that happen in a shootout where it's hit off the keeper and then gone back in. Um, the American coach afterwards said, I, "I've seen the pictures, but I still don't believe it was over the line." <laughs> You've well, seen the picture. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, a lot of Americans don't believe the world is round and stuff like that. Yeah, so. or the, <laughs> the moon landing, or, <laughs> or that Trump isn't dinos- a good president. <laughs> I don't believe dinosaurs existed, so, you know. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> I, I saw, I hadn't heard this conspiracy thing until two weeks ago when I saw Antarctica was trending on Twitter. I was like, oh, this is weird. And it's because they think Antarctica is this thing that's just to stop people seeing that the world's flat and it's the ice is keeping all the water in of course of course like that's where the that's where the cliff is yes but they just put all that snow there to stop you yeah, I mean, that's why no like, one can go there because you'd see and who do they think put all who do they think put antarctica there i don't know but it's like that's just like why NASA. you can't circumnavigate it of course yeah it's it's a big nasa conspiracy <laughs> nasa and the cia built antarctica in uh, oh. 1872. Now, talking of penalties, obviously East Fife had some interesting penalties in the League's Cup. We've talked about that one. Did you see the video I shared in the WhatsApp group? Yes, yes. Now, for anyone that doesn't know what it was, or if Gordon doesn't know what he was watching, we've got this competition here this summer called the League's Cup. So it's all the Mexican teams and all the MLS teams in a World Cup-style club competition. So there's been group stages, knockout rounds. So the Whitecaps... In their first game of the group stage, were taking on the CONCACAF Champions League winners, Leon. It went to 19 rounds of penalties. Never seen that in my life. It, it was like, I, I know there's been games that's gone that, but like to be at that, at some stage you're like, I just want this to end now. I'm <laughs> kind of past caring who wins it. Yeah, just stop it, please. Yeah. But we, we got through the group despite losing that. 
And the knockout round, we were playing the Mexican champions, Tigris, took them to penalties as well. And the Mexican goalkeeper, if, if you haven't seen this, it has been doing the rounds all over the world in social media, a guy called Guzman. Um, he did at one point, he was doing fucking mime. And it was just the most bizarre thing. The referee kept warming him and not, like, booking him. And then he does a magic trick where he pulls some string out of his nose. And then our guy yeah. missed the penalty after that. <laughs> yeah, it, it was one of the most bizarre things because like, at the start you're watching it and you're like, is this real? Is this like a sketch show? Um, it's like oh, he's, no, he's, I saw this in person. He's he's doing mimes and then he's he's doing ma- he's got props. Uh-huh. He's actually got props. He's doing magic tricks before a penalty. Yeah. Um, are you saying that they've brought in rules? Are they going to bring yeah, in rules? Yeah, so... From July 1st, there's new rules for goalkeepers. So you actually saw it in the America-Sweden shootout today because the FIFA World Cup, because it started after July 1st, it has the new rules. So this competition also started after July 1st, but because both Liga MX and MLS are in the middle of their season, they don't adopt the rules to next year when it's their new seasons. So goalkeepers now are not allowed to move their hands about or talk or do anything to try and put off the penalty taker, all because of Martinez's actions at the World Cup. Oh, yeah. I think it spoils it. As much as my team lost that shootout and that guy was an idiot with his antics, I loved it. And even the Whitecaps coach, I asked him about it afterwards, and he went, oh, I loved it. It was fantastic. See, I think... What you should not be able to do is do anything that delays the taking of the penalty. Yeah, that I do agree with. Now, if you want, as long as you are on your line in time to face that penalty, I feel like I don't care whether you're doing mime or pulling a rabbit out of a hat or wobbling your legs. I I don't care as long as you're in place to take the penalty and nothing you do will stop that penalty. If you delay the penalty, yellow card. Mm -hmm. You do it again, you're off. And I'd, I'd, I'd also do it where people taking the penalty. What I would say is, oh. you know, when, when, you, when the whistle goes to take the penalty or whatever it is, you get a set amount of time to take that penalty. And if you haven't kicked the ball in that time, you miss. So you don't get all this, like, I'm taking my tiny little run up and I'm, I'm doing feints. And no, you just take the penalty. You get four seconds. Ref blows the whistle. Four seconds later, if you haven't kicked it, you're done. Um, that's what I would do. You can't do anything to delay. And these keepers who are standing on the penalty spot and then walking back. It's like, if you delay the, the guy taking the kick, you're carded. If you're, a, if you're a taker and you delay your kick, it's not it's a no-goal. But yep. within that, do what you like. The, the new rules mean, like, all the grobbler's wobbly legs can't do that. You're not allowed to yeah. move up and down the line. You just have to stand still. You're not allowed to wave your hands about. You're not allowed to, to touch the crossbar. You're not allowed to communicate with the taker. I think I think you you do lose something with that. Like, like I said, as long as you're not as long as you're not delaying the kick, who like you do what you like. Like, who decides what puts off a player and what doesn't? Like. Yeah. Can you can you can you blow the taker a kiss? Like, uh, yeah, none of that's know. allowed anymore. It's can like... you make can you make eye contact with them? Because <laughs> <laughs> I I was at another game yesterday, which was the League One final, and it's a Whitecaps under 19s and it went to a shootout, and I was right beside the the keepers down at pitch level, 
and the white cat's keeper's going, you look nervous, you're going to miss this, I know you're going to miss this, you're thinking about where it hit this, and he was, the whole time, was just mouthing away. Yeah. It was very entertaining. No, and I think... The players, once they scored, were giving it back and all. Of course, yeah. I think, I mean, the, the, one of the funniest is like the, is it the Copa America a few years ago with Yeri Mina? Um, he was like acting like a complete tit in all the penalties and talking and getting in players' faces. And then Argentina beat Colombia and like every Argentinian went over and like, got it right up him. And you're like, no, like if, if you want to yeah. do that, like that's that's a great part of football. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do. I did notice something during the World Cup. The women are generally a bit more polite, aren't they? They're not yes. like. They're not oh, like. Oh, is this the Canadian player? Well, ev- even in the penalties today, like you know, they were just. It didn't seem like the players were really shithousing each other that much. Oh, like, right, that's what you mean. Oh, yeah, no, no, yeah. And, and oh, like but med- they weren't allowed to now because this was under the new rules. So they're not even allowed. To- oh, right. So that's what it was. Ah, because yeah. I just thought like. Oh, it's a real difference between men and women's football because, like, no, cause every the Swedish keeper, you saw her talking to the ref, going, "So I can't like move my arms." Ah, right. Ah, okay, okay. That I makes thought you sense. were going to say they're usually more polite, but there was a in one in the Australia Canada match. There's a clip that went viral, at least here, where two players go for it. The Australian player goes down, and the Australian bench are shouting for a foul. And the Canadian player turns around and went, "She fucking jumped into me, you twat." <laughs> and that just went viral because the mics picked it up perfectly. Oh, of course, beside the bench. Yes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, I didn't see that. I'll have a look for it. So that that was my fun things for this week. Anything else you want to talk about before we go? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think we kind of covered everything. We'll just hopefully just uh, put put Saturday behind us. Yeah, it's nice to have this season back anyway. Oh yeah, definitely. Also, nice to see Celtics already won it after the first week, so congratulations to them. Uh, game's over. Yeah. Yes. Great, great, Don't need great to play stuff. the rest of that, just focus on the lower <laughs> yeah. league from now on. Anyway, that is it for our first Glory Days of Gold of the new season. We'll be back with another one, hopefully, next weekend, hopefully with more of us as well. Until then, if you want to get in touch, follow us on Twitter at Glory Days of Gold. You can get me on Twitter at AFTN Canada or AFTN website. I'm not calling it X, it's still Twitter. Gordon, where can folk find you online? Uh, you can find me on Twitter. I think, I think I'm think i GordonH1938. You're aging well. It's very good. Uh, you can give Lee a follow and stuff as well. We'll be back with another episode soon. Until then, thanks for listening. Take care and mon the fight. Provost Warren of Glasgow presents the Scottish League Cup to the side that lasted the course better. All conquering East Fife. As I made my way to that pitch on Wellesley Road To sing my songs for the boys in black and gold I heard the stories about 1938 And I was just a boy and knew I'd have to wait Now there's broken dreams and what might have been At that stadium by the shore But those glory days ago might return once more